welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. He is risen. Amen. That's what today is about. That's what we're here. Friday, we had a great Good Friday service, um, and it was fantastic. The presence of God was here, and there was just a sweet spirit in the place. And um, Friday, we talked about how Jesus said, it is finished, and the work was finished on the cross. Today, we celebrate that he is risen, and I'm so excited to be here talking about this. We're going to talk actually a little bit about that video, and I don't know about you, but <clears throat> sometimes when I watch some videos, and if, they're, if they just really hit the right spot, like I get a little choked up, and the part where I get choked up in that video is when that is Peter and John in that video, it's who it's supposed to be, and when Peter and John go in that tomb, and then you see them <laughs> running back. It's that realization that Jesus is alive, and they had to tell people about it. You know, it wasn't just, oh, man, Sunday morning at church. It was real, and it was alive, and you can see in their eyes, and you can see in their heart that passion and that love and that realization that everything Jesus had been talking about was coming to pass. Why am I crying at the beginning of church? We're just starting church. <sighs> happy day. It is a happy day. It is a happy day. So go with me in your Bibles to John chapter 20. It's where we're going to start at. And um, Derek, I may read off the slides over here. And I may read off my Bible. I'm not sure which one. Today we're talking about hope is here. That's what we're calling our, our service today. Hope is here. And what does that mean? What does that look like? Hope is here. Or you could call it hashtag boom, he's out of the tomb. <laughs> it's not sacrilegious because it's true. Boom, he did come out of that tomb. He's out of the tomb. And when he came out of that tomb... Come on, that's when life began to be what life is about. So John chapter 20, starting in verse 1, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. First of all, I just want to pause right here and give you a thought to ponder in your heart and your mind. Isn't it interesting how it's Mary Magdalene that is going to meet Jesus, that's going to the tomb? The disciples that followed Jesus around for all these years, they're not there. It's Mary that's there. Matthew tells us, and we'll look at this scripture a little bit later, Matthew tells us that Mary followed Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was the one who went and buried Jesus in the tomb. The Bible says in Matthew that Mary followed Joseph to find out where he put Jesus' body. And then she came back the next day. Oh, well, they had the Sabbath. And then on Sunday, she came back to prepare his body for burial. So verse 2 says this. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. 
Now, I just want to clarify something with you. Many of us today, when we encountered a strange situation where we were not expecting, or we were expecting one thing and we find something else, we would react like this. Oh, this is strange. Jesus was supposed to, the tomb was supposed to, no vacancy. It was supposed to be closed and Jesus' body was supposed to be in there, but the stone's been rolled away. Hmm, maybe I should call some. Well, it's really not my place to call somebody. I'm sure somebody knows the tomb's open. I'm sure the gardener will come and take care of it. We would rationalize it. We would be very Canadian, very polite about the whole thing. Like, oh, somebody else is taking care of it. And you know, go back to verse 2. Derek says this. She ran. She ran. She went to that tomb. The door was open, and she ran. Oh, my gosh. And she's running off. She's going, Peter, 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 the tomb, it's opened up. Peter. She didn't just, like, saunter down there. Oh, man, the tomb is a, well, I guess I better go tell somebody. I'm going to stop at Quick Trip on the way, go to 7-Eleven, get a drink. I'm going to do... No, she bolted. I imagine at the top of her head, the top of her lungs, she was shouting out, Peter, 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 Jesus, the tomb is open. Something is not right. So, right off the bat in this story, we can find hope. And hope is here in verse number one when it says she showed up and that tomb stone was rolled away. That stone was rolled away. It was supposed to be closed. It was supposed to be boxed up because buried people don't come out of the tomb, do they? But she showed up that day and there was something not right in the place. And that stone was rolled away. And we can find hope today, you and me, because that stone was moved. Because what was inside came out. That's the Jesus we serve. He was inside. He was buried. He died. He was buried. And on the third day today, he got on up and rose and came out of that grave. And when she showed up, something ain't right. So she takes off. Peter, Peter, Peter. Verse number three. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. Now, I love John's modesty. John wrote the book of John, but in the book of John, he refers to himself always as something like the other disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved, but he never calls himself by his name. Apparently, John would not speak in the third person. He just always, so he says, Peter and the other disciple, John, started out for the tomb. Verse 4 says this, they were both running. Don't you imagine you would be running too? They were both running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter. Okay, John, this isn't a race. Good for you. He outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. I like how he had to include that in the Bible, like in, in, in his letter. By the way, I beat Peter to the tomb. Just going to throw that in there. But it says in verse 5, he says this. He stooped, talking about John. He stooped and looked in. Now, on that video, man, that video is great. It's powerful. But there's some things in that Bible, in that video, that aren't quite accurate. Like, did you see the spaciousness of that tomb? 
my Lord, it looks like an apartment you could get and rent for like a thousand square feet or just luxurious. And they're walking around and there's daylight streaming in. But the Bible, like in those days, the tombs were not massive like that. They were like carved out of rock. And it says here, he stooped and looked in. They had to get down and look inside. And it says, he stooped, John stoops, and he looks inside. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Verse 6 says this, um, then Simon Peter arrived, clearly late and out of breath. Probably had to stop and get a drink. And then he went inside and he also noticed, Peter also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. Then, it's heaven. Why the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Verse 8 says this. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, man, he's really rubbing this in, also went in and he saw and he believed. Go back to verse 8 for a second. He went in, John finally goes in, and it says this interesting phrase, he went in and then he saw and he believed. Verse 9, for until then they still had understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Verse 10 simply says, then they went home. Now, why in the world would John say this? That he went inside and saw the tomb close, and then he believed. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? But I think it's because of this. Let's back up um, to John chapter 19, verse 38. And it says this, Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he was afraid of the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With, uh, with him came Nicodemus, the man who came to Jesus at night, and he brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrhs and aloes. This is an important point. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. Right? Then verse 41 says, The place of the crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now number one, that was Joseph's personal tomb. Matthew tells us this was the tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had for himself, and he put Jesus in this tomb. Number two, he's giving us an insight into how they prepared bodies, and this is important for us to know. So when they took a body in Jewish custom in Jesus' times, they would put this sheet over you, like a big band-aid kind of, and then they would start wrapping you around with cloths going like this way around you. And as they did that, they would pour in this aloe and myrrh. They would put this solution in there. They would pour it all over you. And once it got in there, and after time, it would harden. It would be hard. Now, I think a lot of us, when we read this scripture, and we read, and even in this video, it shows a pile of clothes. Jesus' grave clothes, like lying there, Right? And I think a lot of us think the same way that we undress and the same things that we did with our clothes, Jesus did. Oh, I'm done with this jacket. This jacket, I'm done with it. There it goes. That's where my jacket goes. And like, great. It's in a pile on the floor, and that's how we feel about it, and that's what we think. Uh, that's probably what Jesus did. And so we think in our own mind, let me put my clothes back on here. We think in our own minds that Jesus... It's coming. 
Jesus probably did the same thing. And so we think that Jesus was laying there in the tomb. And on the third day, just laying there, and all of a sudden, his body starts to breathe again. And his chest starts slowly rising and slowly falling up and down, up and down. And Jesus pops up. He's like, well, hmm, I'm all wrapped up here. What am I going to do? Okay, well, I got to, my hands are wrapped up. My body's wrapped up. So I just got to start like slowly unwrapping things. Okay, around this way, around this way. My legs are around. And Jesus is pulling all these grave clothes off. And he's got it stuck on his foot like some toilet paper. And he's shaking it off. And then in our minds, I think we think there's just a big pile of grave clothes lying inside the tomb. But if that was the case, it wouldn't make any sense why anybody could do that. Anybody could have came in and got Jesus' body, taken his grave clothes off, and moved his body. But John says that when he saw the grave clothes lying there, it's when he believed. And here's the interesting thing. That word lying there, in the Greek, it actually means this. That it's lying there prostrate. And the picture that it gives us is that because of the aloe and myrrh that were put inside the cloths and it hardened, for somebody to come and have stole the body of Jesus, what they would have physically had to do was start cutting from the top of the cloth down to the bottom and peel it back like a skin and take Jesus' body out. But when they went inside the tomb, the grave clothes were still all formed the way they were supposed to be and laying there. There was no unwrapping. There was no pile of clothes on the floor. There was no laundry clothes to do. It was all laying prostrate. And so when John walked inside and he saw that the grave clothes were still laying there in the tomb the way that they had laid when Jesus was inside them, he realized that what Jesus had said about coming back, raising from the dead, rebuilding the temple in three days had come true. Maybe you're not hearing me. Maybe you're not getting the picture. Picture the person beside you wrapped up like a mummy. And then picture them not in that mummy clothes, those grave clothes, but the form is still there. And so when John walks inside and he sees these clothes laying here, but still big, still looking like somebody should be in there. See, I think it's interesting. When, when John gets there before Peter, he peeks in, the Bible says. He stoops and he looks in, and he sees the grave clothes lying there. So I think because John didn't go inside, all he saw was probably like the feet or the body form. He didn't realize when he went a little bit farther in is when he saw that there was nobody inside those grave clothes because he was just stupid on the outside. And sometimes from the outside, you don't see the whole picture, do you, right? You only see like just a little piece, just a little corner. And so he stoops and he looks down, and what does he see? He sees the feet of Jesus in there. It's what he thinks he sees. He sees the grave clothes. They're all formed like they should be. He's like, well, Jesus is still in there. Why is the tomb open? And then Peter goes in, and then John follows Peter after him. Once he gets in there, he climbs in. He gets in there, and he sees there's nobody in these clothes. These clothes are empty, but nobody has cut Jesus out of the clothes. And then he sees the 
piece that goes over the face, that goes over the head, folded up and separate from the clothes. There's no way that a man could have done that without cutting Jesus out. It's because Jesus miraculously came back to life. And hope is here for us today because those grave clothes were empty. Hope is here today for you because Jesus wasn't laying in that tomb anymore. Jesus wasn't laying there inside those clothes. Jesus didn't get up and like have somebody come and cut him out of those things. He miraculously came out of those clothes. Verse 10 says that Verse 10 says that they went home. A little uh little unceremonious, isn't it? They went home. They went home. We see that Mary came running to the disciples to tell them something was wrong with the tomb. And then we see the disciples, Peter and John, running to the tomb to find out what's wrong. And they get in there and they see that that the clothes are there. And John believes what Jesus had said. And then he went home. And here we come back to Mary in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stood and looked inside. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Verse 15, he says, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener, and she said, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. It's interesting to me how She'd spent all this time with Jesus and not recognized him in the garden when he was talking to her. But then something changes. And in verse 16, Jesus says, Mary. And the moment that he said her name, the moment Jesus called out her name, she immediately knew it was Jesus, and her eyes were open. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is the Hebrew word for teacher. And I want to tell you today that hope is here for us today, for me today, for you today, for your kids today, for your marriages today, for your families today, for your body today. Hope is here for you today because Jesus is still standing here calling out your name. I think it's nice that we clapped for that. But I want you to get that deep down in your heart. I want you to let that find its way to your very core of who you are. We talked on Friday about how it is finished and the issues that we all walk through and the things that we all deal with in life. 
that those issues were finished on the cross. When Jesus got up there and he said, it is finished, he was saying, it is done. There's nothing else that has to be done. Jesus gets out of the grave. I find it interesting that he's still there. I think it's great. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but for a little while, Mary was the first real true believer. She was the real true first preacher. Because what does she do? She's the first one to see Jesus risen from the dead. He calls her name, and she runs off and goes and tells the disciples and says, Hey, he's alive. He's appeared to me. I've seen him. I talked to Jesus. She's the first one. Jesus is standing here still. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your wife, your life looks like. Your wife, your wife should look good. She looks amazing. My wife looks amazing. Whatever your life looks like, whatever you're dealing with, the highs and the lows, the ups, the downs, the hurts, the pains, the struggles, the trials, the temptations. That's not a word. Temptations is a word. Whatever you're dealing with, Jesus is calling your name. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter who else calls your name. What matters is that he's calling your name. And I'll tell you what. In life, a lot of people will be calling your name. A lot of people will be saying, Drew, 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 trying to get your attention, trying to get your eyes off of Jesus. But Jesus is standing there calling your name to bring life and revelation and wholeness and healing to you in the midst of your circumstances. I'll tell you what, today, the stone's been rolled away. And those grave clothes were empty so that you and I could be filled with the wholeness and the life of Jesus Christ. The work is finished. And all we have to do is listen to that voice calling our name. When he's calling you. He was right beside her. She didn't even realize who he was. She thought he was a gardener. And then when he finally says, Mary, 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 there's something in Jesus calling your name where it gets your attention and it speaks to the very core of who you are. Stand up with me. Hope's here today for a lot of reasons. Hope is here for us because that stone was rolled away, because those grave clothes were empty, and because Jesus is calling your name. The name of Jesus isn't a magic pill that makes all your problems go away, that doesn't solve all your issues for you, doesn't make the hurts necessarily change. But the name of Jesus 
is salvation. It's a strong tower. It's a shelter. It's a place to run in the midst of those storms and those circumstances. It's a place where you can go and find healing, health, and wholeness. And today, what we call Easter weekend or Resurrection Sunday, this weekend is everything to us. It's what we base everything off of, the fact that we serve a God and a Savior who died and was risen again. That's what makes us different than every other religion. We serve a God who claims and did rise from the dead again. And when he did that, he defeated death, he defeated hell, he defeated all those things that chain you down and that hold you down and that weigh on you and press you down and crush in your mind those thoughts, those emotions, those feelings. He defeated all those things to give you healing, health, and wholeness, spirit, soul, we close our eyes across this place thanks so much for joining us today we hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit his love and his life are filling you right now if you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more and if you liked what you heard head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too and oh one more thing before we go We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.